630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Riley takes the step, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30, Chad. very first game of the CFL season the Eskimos and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers back on Thursday June 14th remember how it took almost six hours to play because of the weather delays well today tonight kickoff of the NFL season has been delayed because of severe weather in the Philadelphia area the Falcons and the Eagles will not kick off in a few minutes, uh, the Eagles putting on their uh, Twitter account, uh, the weather pattern may contain some severe conditions, including lightning and gusty winds. Uh, the uh, fans are being asked to take cover on the concourse, and the start of the game has been delayed. So we'll update you on the score eventually. Uh, that is crazy how it's uh, happened in uh, the start of both leagues. I don't know how long this one is going to last, but uh, there you go. No start yet between, well, it was going to start in about 10 minutes, but it won't be starting in 10 minutes. Philadelphia and Atlanta, the uh, defending champs, getting to start at home against a team they eliminated 15-10 in the second round of last year's playoffs. Of course, the Eskimos getting ready to host the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, 3 o'clock. For the countdown to kick off here on 6.30, Chad, the game will commence at 5. Morley Scott, Dave Campbell, Blake Dermott, Brendan Ulrich, all part of our broadcast crew for that one as the Eskimos uh, have lost three of their last four. The Stampeders rolling along at 9-1. and one. And a little bit of uh, nasty words, uh, claims of disrespect flying back and forth between the two teams. We'll get to that as we move along tonight. Hey, thanks for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Ched. If you would like to participate... You can do so by typing on your smartphone and texting 630-630. You can also do so on the uh, good old-fashioned telephone. The line is 780-496-0063. Oilers rookie camp underway with uh, physical testing today. Going to get to that in about a minute, but quickly the Eskimos headlines today. Darrell Walker out six to eight weeks with a knee injury, so I, I would expect him to return for the final game of the regular season. From the Stampeders sidelines, uh, Kamar Jordan, one of the top receivers in the CFL this season. He was also hurt on Monday. He had surgery. He is out for the season. Sounds pretty serious with Kamar Jordan, so that's a tough break. And, of course, Bryant Mitchell is the guy coming in for the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, You know his story, biding his time into the lineup, out of the lineup. Usually does pretty well when he plays. I know a lot of you have wanted Bryant Mitchell to play more. Well, he's going to get his shot coming in for Darrell Walker, and you'll want to stick around in the next half hour of the show. Bryant Mitchell will join me. All right, but first... 
little bit of hockey talk here. Uh, the Oilers uh, doing their rookie testing today. They'll hit the ice tomorrow. Another practice on Saturday. Game on Sunday at the Flames rookies. We'll broadcast it with a pregame show at 1.30. The game will start at 2. And one of the guys I'm really going to be keeping an eye on is uh, the young man who played nine games at the start of last year's NHL season, and that is Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, he is, uh, you know the story, he is not a big man. He is uh, five foot eight, doesn't have a big frame, highly competitive, and as I have found talking to him in interviews for about the last 15 months, extremely confident, and that's on display again today. You know, my expectation is always to make the team. Um, you know, I'm really striving um, to make that, and, um, you know, I hope that happens. Uh, what did you learn through your nine games since to start off last season? Uh, I think just how to manage yourself, how to handle yourself, um, how to be a pro. Um, I think those were big things I took away. Kyler Yamamoto last season with the Oilers played nine games. He had three assists, and uh, you know he got to play with Connor McDavid. Had some good scoring opportunities. Uh, didn't finish. I believe he hit a goal post against the Penguins. It looked okay. I wouldn't say he looked totally out of place, but he went back to junior. Did very well with uh, the Spokane Chiefs. He had 64 points in 40 regular season Western Hockey League games. He got to play for the United States at the World Junior Tournament. Got seven more playoff games uh, where he had four points. Here's what's interesting to me about Yamamoto, and I looked at his his stats from last year. Now, again, again, we're looking at at nine games, um, you know, with obviously most of the time with uh, the, the best point producer in the league, that being Connor McDavid. Uh, Yamamoto had 23 shots on goal. If you take that over a whole 82-game season, and I know that's a what-if that he would play all the games, but let's just do that for fun. Uh, If you take that over an 82-game season, that's 209 shots on goal. That would have been second on the Oilers last season behind only Connor McDavid himself. Now, you know, Nugent Hopkins missed a whole bunch of games. Uh, Clefbaum had a lot of shots. He missed some games late in the season. But still, you know, over 200 shots on on the season, almost three shots per game. I like that, and the Oilers need that. I mean, they're they're a team that for years has been criticized for not firing away enough, for not one time in the puck, for not guy, having guys who can snipe from a, a mid-range distance. And that's what I like about Yamamoto. He's got an aggressive mentality. He's not timid on the ice. He's small, but he doesn't play small. I mean, the size will always be you know, a, a detriment. There's going to be times when simple physics comes into play. But I like that shooting frequency. That I, I like that, that that's his mentality, that he can fire away with the puck. I mean, look, it's, it's pretty simple math, folks. Uh, 209 shots. You score on 10%, which, okay, is a little bit above league average. Uh, there's your 20 goals from a, a supporting winger. Yamamoto is going to be important. I still think... Kyler Yamamoto will have a better NHL career than Yessi Puliyarvi. I, I really do. I know he's a lot smaller. I know Puliyarvi was drafted a lot higher. Uh, I I just see a, a more mature game for Yamamoto, and I know we talk about the age difference and all that kind of stuff, uh, but Yamamoto just seems like a guy who's going to be able to figure it out a lot better than Yessi Puliyarvi. So anyway, uh, reasons to I think to be encouraged for Yamamoto, though I think. The, the the depth down the wings remains a question mark nonetheless. You know, take it day by day. Um, try not to look too far into it. 
Um, if you look too far into it, you might get um, a little nervous. So just take it day by day and um, just try to do the little things right. All right. So, you know, I expect Yamamoto to be one of, if not the best Oilers during rookie camp and then obviously to play in the pre- preseason. And who knows, maybe he's on the opening day roster for the second straight year. Scott Housen is the Oilers' vice president of player development, obviously kept a close eye on Yamamoto last season. And really, Bob, I thought he was the best player in the league. I saw him a lot last year. I thought he was the best player in the league from January to uh, to the end of the regular season. He had a little bit of a tough playoff because he was fighting a pretty severe uh, uh, injury, and a leg injury, so it, it kind of hampered him, but he battled through. But uh, really, a, a really strong finish. And uh, again, uh, looking forward to seeing him. He's, his junior crew is over now. So it's not the same situation as last year where it's, uh, you know, you've got that nine-game threshold. If he can't make it right away, he'll go to Bakersfield and develop there. So there's no way he would return to the Western Hockey League for his 20-year-old year? No chance. No chance. All right. No chance. So there's there's Scott Housen on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. So they think highly of Yamamoto. I, I'm pretty encouraged about the kid. Uh, I, I think he's going to push really hard for a position. Now, part of that is because the positions are available. But again, that you know the the shooting frequency, uh, the ability to finish the year he had last year in the Western Hockey League, and I think if he plays with the Oilers, he's not going to get put on the fourth line. I mean, if he if he doesn't play well enough in camp, they're not going to say, okay, go out and be a checker or try to produce on a line with Brodziak and Upshaw or whatever. He'll he'll get to, if if he gets to play, he'll have McDavid or Drysaitel as a center or maybe even Nugent Hopkins if he gets moved back to that position. So uh, Yamamoto, one of the rookies, I. I feel the younger players for the others who I feel is a more solid bet to turn into a pretty productive player as he goes along. You can let me know how you think by texting 630-630. The Big L writes in, he says, Reed, if we participate in the show, do we get participation ribbons? Well, the answer is yes, Big L. You also get orange slices, but they will be mailed to you. So I hope that's not a problem. Uh, the phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. Again, Bryant Mitchell from the Eskimos is coming up later this hour. You'll also hear from a couple of Oilers prospects on defense, the Ebies, Evan Bouchard and Ethan Bear. That's when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. So the NFL season was supposed to be starting right now. Instead, it will start at 6.55 Mountain Time. That's in 35 minutes. Bad weather in Philadelphia. They were just showing a shot of the stands. They are empty. Fans have been asked to move up to the concourse Atlanta against the Eagles. Tonight, my uh, we did our Super Bowl predictions last night, Greg Reynolds and I. So we, Greg comes up from from Kissing Country sometimes. This week comes in on the show and we we just chat about stuff. So we didn't we didn't share what our predictions were going to be. I think we agreed on about half of the playoff teams out of the twelve. Uh, my Super Bowl was Rams over Pittsburgh. He took Pittsburgh over the Rams. So after all that, we took the same same two teams to play in the Super Bowl. You can text six thirty six thirty. Luke says, uh, "Hey Reed, I think Kyler Yamamoto can make the roster." this year and would be surprised if he didn't. That is a text from Luke who I like to think is using the force as he typed that text. Another texture says, hey Reed, Yamamoto on the roster. Another classic example of the Oilers rushing along young players. And another texture says, uh, Reed, the debate for Pugliarvi versus Yamamoto wouldn't even be happening if the Oilers had drafted competently in the past. Well, I mean, that's a fair comment. I mean, that was a few months ago, Kellen. 
Uh, you, you were working that night. I did the whole thing looking at the last 20 years of Oilers' right. uh, draft picks. And then, mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I looked... I only looked after the second round, but what there were three there were three Oilers draft picks that they'd taken after the first round that had uh, twenty goal seasons. Right, Jared Stoll, mm-hmm. uh, Comrie, and Horkoff. Yeah, uh, and I think Comrie had a had a couple. But I mean, th- this is the thing for the Oilers: can they find players who you know aren't marquee names? Can they bring along guys who uh, aren't taken? You know, first, third, fourth overall. Now, Puliyarvi was taken fourth overall. Obviously, can can they find guys later in the first round, second, third, fourth round, who are solid, consistent, contributing players who can who can fill a role on the team? Maybe you're a 15 to 20 goal guy. Okay, so you're not flashy, but you do that every year. You know, maybe maybe you're a a, a solid goaltender. You know, who can come up as a youngster and be a competent backup, and maybe when you're a little older, uh, you're the starter, like they're they're hoping Stuart Skinner or Olivier Rodrigue. Maybe you're a defenseman like, you know, Ethan Bear, who can uh, run a power play and defend competently, or Caleb Jones, who can be a good all-around guy. You know, they were taken 124th and 117th, respectively, in 2015. Not up there. But can maybe not be rushed into the league. Uh, I mean, the, the question of, that, that was an interesting text, a, a classic example of the Oilers rushing somebody along. Clearly that's happened in the past. Clearly they're a team that hasn't drafted well. They haven't done a lot of things well to, to have been in the positions they are in. If Yamamoto makes the team this year and sticks around, uh, I mean, here's the thing to remember about Yamamoto, because that, that, that's, that's an interesting case. Yamamoto was born September 29th, 1998. By the time the season starts, he will be 20. So I don't necessarily think it's it's crazy that it's uh, you know that that him specifically is an example of organizational failure if he makes the team. Now we have plenty other 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 examples of that, and we're not going to pick over the corpses of past seasons necessarily. But if if Yamamoto, you know, m- makes the team. Is is that that the Oilers don't have a lot of depth, or is that maybe that sometimes you just have to give Yamamoto credit uh, that he made the team? I mean, I, I know that's kind of a fallback argument for a lot of things that the Oilers do, that, that everything they have done is wrong. They have done a lot of things wrong. I don't know if you can say absolutely everything that they've done is wrong. It is, you know, getting Yamamoto 22nd, having him in junior last year, uh, and, and having him come in with a legitimate shot this year. You know, I, I think that's credit to the kid and maybe some credit to, to drafting him 22nd overall. He's 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 the most intriguing guy to me. And I know Bouchard is is the fresh, shiny toy taking 10th overall. And, uh, you know, I know Stauffer is adamant that Bouchard's going to be on the opening day roster. We talked about it on... Um, on Oilers now earlier today. Bob thinks Bouchard goes to Europe. Bob thinks Bouchard plays in the season opening game in Sweden against the New Jersey Devils. And I said to Bob, well, who who doesn't play then? And, and Bob says, well, Yerbeck sits out. All right, I, I guess we wait and see through training cramp. I mean, it's they've given Yerbeck a contract. They they haven't signed him to be the seventh defenseman. And and you know, Hausen said today they don't they don't want Bouchard sitting around till Christmas only playing eight NHL games. If he's not going to be an Oiler, he's going back to the London Knights. Um, I, I think if Bouchard makes the opening day roster, okay, fair enough, good for him. I don't think he's here beyond nine games because they've they've brought in other guys to at least 
be stop gaps or or depth players that hopefully you don't have to throw Bouchard into the NHL as a rookie defenseman. And as we all know, it's tougher for uh, rookie defensemen to to find their way than maybe for for younger forwards. Uh, Trucker Dave says uh, hi, Reed and Kellen. Yamamoto has the confidence and the smarts to stick with the team. I'm I'm going to say this about Yamamoto. And uh, I've been covering sports of, of, of all levels long enough to know that, the, you know, you, you, you walk into a dressing room or, or, you know, you talk to an athlete in an, in an individual sport and they, they have no shortage of confidence. They, they are all alpha males. They, they all believe that uh, maybe not that they're the best at what they do, but they're, they know their role and they're extremely good at doing that and, and, and being successful. When I have spoken to Kyler Yamamoto, his confidence even stands out in that world. In that world of confident alpha males, in that world of I'm going to go out there and kick your butt, I'm going to go out there and prove I'm better than you, go ahead and challenge me, I'm, I'm going to take you down. Yamamoto's attitude even stands out in the context of that world. And quite frankly, I like it. You know, and sure, the size factors in. Everybody's looked at him and, you know, told him he's too small or questioned his size his whole life. So he's decided to be like, all right, fine, say that. I'm going to prove you wrong every night. And he's been able to do it. Uh, Mike says, I don't see Yamamoto as being rushed. I thought he played very well last year and still got sent down. And uh, Brad says, uh, how do you see Tyler Benson doing this year? I think he's a great talent if he can stay healthy. Well, I think Tyler Benson will probably be uh, be in the American Hockey League. I think his potential is to be uh, a depth, uh, you know, center for the order. Well, I guess he could play either position, but probably be a, you know, hopefully a third liner long term for the Oilers. Definitely a very smart player. I don't think he's going to produce points uh, at the same rate in the NHL as he did in junior. This is going to be a big year for him, finally feeling healthy. And, uh, you know, we, ha- we haven't seen a lot of Tyler Benson at times because of the injury issues, issues he's had, but he's hoping those are behind them. But, uh, yeah, again, hopefully there there's a little bit of a later pick sec- early in the second round, but not a splashy first rounder that hopefully can be a really strong support player going forward. Good question there. You can continue texting 630-630. I still want to get to some uh, clips from Bear and Bouchard and Bryant Mitchell coming up. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. All right, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Eskimos receiver Darrell Walker will be out six to eight weeks with a knee injury. Bryant Mitchell ready to fill in. You'll hear from him later on this half hour. Calgary Stampeders star receiver Kamar Jordan out for the season after having knee surgery. Atlanta at Philadelphia in the NFL. If you're rushing home to watch it, we're rushing somewhere to watch it. Don't bother. You have time. It won't start for about another 20 minutes because of a weather delay in Philadelphia. So the uh, CFL season opener was... How many weather... Del- did they have three weather delays in that one, Kellen? I yeah, can't free by remember. my count. What's that? Free by my count. Three, three weather delays. The game took almost six hours to play. Uh, I don't know if this one's going to take this. I think they're back out on the field in Philadelphia, but they said 6.55 for the kickoff. Atlanta taking on the Eagles. You can, uh, by the way, Kellen, I just I just want to make sure you're okay that your spot in that Nike commercial got cut out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's Follow uh, your dreams, though, Kellen. I got to fire my agent. That's it. <laughs> gotta, well, at least, he, you know, they, they, filmed, they, they filmed you. 
uh, you know, yeah, working the board there. No, wow. And then they decided, no, it'll just be all athletes, Pretty not much, guys yeah. working on sports shows. I, I didn't think it was going to work out anyway. <laughs> you, you were pessimistic. Yeah. Hey, you know but what? it's a good ad. It's a real I'm, nice I'm ad. just glad there weren't any super dogs in the commercial. That oh, really yeah, made me mad. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Alfonso Davies got some love in that ad, eh? Well, that was pretty cool. Yeah. But like, like I said, it's the same old... So they take a yeah. controversial figure in sports... Because they want people to talk about the commercial and their product, which we doing. Oh, they fooled me, Kellen. Mm-hmm. Which they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen it yet on a telecast tonight either, but uh, apparently it's supposed to play during the, uh, the the game here. I imagine once the game gets started. Oh, you haven't watched it? Sorry? Did you watch the whole thing? I have, yes. Yeah, it's, like, well, it's two minutes long, right? Yeah, I was just waiting to see it oh, on the It, is, uh, it, the is, like, it, it is a great commercial. I mean, Nike is one of those companies, they know how to advertise, right? They figured it out. They get They get the big names. Um, you know, they, they people know about their product, mm-hmm. and I obviously they they figured, okay, fine. Some people might turn their back on Nike or not buy Nike stuff, but maybe there is a generation of kids who decide, you know, well, when I when I get my paycheck from mowing lawns, I don't know if kids still mow lawns for for money in the summer or whatever. When I take my bottles in, <laughs> I guess you know, for my Gatorade. I'm going to use my money to buy Nike because I think that's cool that they did that. And the people who have never bought... Here's the thing. People who have never bought Nike products and now say they're never going to buy Nike products, Nike's probably thinking, yeah, let's... (laughs) You weren't going to buy Nike anyway because you haven't for the last 30 years, so we didn't expect you to start now. It's. I mean, look, they're, they're going to be fine. It'll be, you know, a year or two from now, they'll have another ad campaign with something else that'll have people talking, and and, and away we'll go. Anyway, uh, Dave says, as soon as Yamamoto nets his first NHL goal, look out, he's going to surprise everyone. The Big L says, Reed, thanks for the orange slices. You already got those in the mail, eh? That's fast. Kellen, yeah, you've thrown them in the mail for That's the Big L. That's super fast. Thank you wow. for doing that. Uh, in recent, Big L goes on to say, in recent years, drafting has not been as much of a problem for the Oilers as during that ugly decade and certainly beforehand. Lately, the problem seems to be finding the appropriate sporting cast for the five or six legitimate world-class players they have drafted. This situation is getting better, but might take a little longer. Well, I, I hope you're right, Big L. I, I look at some of the players they've drafted recently uh, who have had pretty good years in junior, who have shown some progress in the AHL, and it's not everybody, and there's already some unfortunate stories. I mean, Ryan Mantha's eye injury is, is a concern. Maybe he's not going to come along on defense. But if And, and Ostap Safin, unfortunately, isn't going to participate in rookie camp because of a hip flexor slash groin injury uh, he suffered in the summer. But there there are some players, you know, if you want to look at Benson, you want to look at, you know, maybe Cameron Hebig, maybe Cooper Marodi, uh, Kirill Maximoff, Jones and Bear on defense, and maybe William Lagesson, who's here after playing in Sweden, who, you know, are now going to get some time to play in the, NH, in the AHL, maybe get some NHL games, and then maybe when they're called up and they're full-time NHLers, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy's been in the system for a while. He is maybe not a star player, but a competent player who knows his role, isn't overwhelmed when he gets to the NHL and has other experienced players around him. You hope that's the thing. And it's interesting for me watching this unfold because I'm well aware of how 
uh, unpopular Peter Shirelli is with a lot of the fans right now. And hey, a lot, a lot of that criticism is justified. I, I think in some cases it's it's uh, it's excessive. I, I mean, I feel like there are some people out there that you know, if if Peter Shirelli cured lung cancer, they they'd criticize him for not curing brain cancer. Like he can't win with some people, you know. But whatever. But I, you know, here's the interesting thing. If the Oilers don't do well this year, there's a significant chance that Peter Shirelli is not the general manager of the team a year from now. If 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 they don't do well again this year, there's also a possibility that three, four, five years from now, we might be saying, "My goodness, thank God Shirelli drafted all these guys," because because now they're actually filling out the roster pretty well in supporting and depth roles. Anyway. Just a bit of an aside there. Al says, Hi, Reed. Edmonton made a pick at number 22 a few years ago for a skilled, undersized player who was heavily criticized and eventually sent packing. I hope Yamamoto has a better fate. That is a very astute text from Al. And, of course, he's uh, referring to Jordan Eberle, who I don't think would have been sent packing if he were making maybe $4 million a season instead of six. I mean, clearly the salary played into that. And... You're right. Jordan Eberle was heavily criticized, and you know where we really, you know where it really hit me for Eberle that there, there were there were some fans who were never going to like this guy no matter what. The Oilers in the fall of 2016 started the season well. They got into November, and they had a five-game losing streak, a flat-out losing streak. These were all regulation losses, and they fell down to 13-12. They been 13-12 and one. They had they had a two or three overtime losses but they were 13 and 12 in the win loss column and they lost that home game to Dallas and Everly lost his guy on the back check or well never really had him and the guy scores and there was that highlight of Everly throwing his head back in the air going like oh that yeah that was my guy and you know Rob and I were getting after the games how many times do we have to watch Everly make a mistake on the back check and know that was his guy but still not have taken him and then in the playoffs, he didn't get any any goals, which I think sealed his fate with uh, McClellan and Shirelli. But anyway, that's uh, that's a good text uh, from Al. Uh, this texter says, uh, "Hi, Reed. You need more than one line for scoring. Edmonton doesn't have that. Another playoffs missed. Well, you know, fair point." Um, will whatever line Leon Dreisaitl is on be able to score consistently, and will the power play score? I, I think their scoring will increase, and I think their goals against will decrease, and I do think they will get into the playoffs, but not as a high seed. This texture says 108 points last year for McDavid. Factor in a conservative 6-8 to eight point increase. If he wasn't sick, and a 10 to 15 point increase if the power play was better and or he played on both units, and 10 to 15 more points if he played with Nuge all season. Uh, how about this texture? Uh, continuing here, it is not crazy to predict 134 to 146 points if everything goes right this year. I had to pause, uh, though this texture does say I'll guess 125 to 130. Amazing. If Connor McDavid got 120 or more points, we're going to be watching a heck of a season coming up. You know, I think he'll top 110. 
I, I think he'll top 110. I'm, I'm reluctant to go over over 112. But hey, that's who knows at this point of the year? What predictions sound stupid? Uh, and I was talking with Bob earlier today. I do expect McDavid is irritated about last season. I do expect he's taking the playoff miss personally, even though he personally had a had a excellent season. I mean, he led the league in scoring, so enough said there. But I do think he's at that point in his career where there's going to be some nights he's going to win games single-handedly, as close as that can happen in the sport of hockey, which it's it's really hard to do that. But I do think he's gonna he's in that point of his career where he's he's gonna have more I'm gonna take the team on my back type nights. But as as that other texture said, will they have some support scoring enough to pull them over the uh, the playoff cut line at the end of the season? Uh, this texture says uh, Eberly may not have been sent packing if he made four million per year and visited his own end on occasion. Well, for sure, I will agree with that. Okay, I've been promising a little bit from Ethan Bear. And uh, Evan Bouchard, got to finally get to that. Ethan Bear commented today what he needs to improve Probably, on. Probably uh, just uh, defense, I guess, you know, closing gaps, uh, reading reading player speeds, uh, you know, kind of limiting their time and space, uh, you know, trying to make sure I'm on them all the time and uh, not giving them that time to make plays. So just, uh, you know, reading and reacting a little bit quicker. That's about it. Well, I'll tell you what, good for Ethan Bear last year. He got into 18 NHL games, got his first goal, wound up with four points. Uh, he was minus 11, obviously on not a very good team, not playing important games at the end of the season. I don't think Ethan Bear gets called up last season if uh, playoffs or playoff positioning is on the line. And quite frankly, I don't expect Ethan Bear to play a lot of games in the NHL this year. I mean, they, they've they've brought in other guys. They've They've made some other moves. That indicate to me they they still see Ethan Bear as uh, you know probably a year or two away from being a full time NHLer, so uh, something to remember there. Evan Bouchard, tenth overall pick from the Oilers this summer. Yeah, last couple months have been uh, good training wise. Um, trying to learn as much as I can from from camp a few months ago, but uh, my expectations here is just uh, taking as much as I can, learn as much uh, during this process, and uh, you know turn heads here. You know, Sekera's down for a while. Did, did that change your mindset about how you're coming into all this? Or how, how are you looking at it? Um, no, not too much. Um, like I said, I'm just trying to come in here to, to learn as much as I can um, from the other players, coaching staff, and everyone here, and uh, you know, stay here as long as I can. All right, that, that's Evan Bouchard. I, I think at most he plays nine NHL games. So, I mean, just they, you know, they brought this year back in. With Sekera out, Gravel's going to be around as a, as a depth guy. I, I think Garrison's a long shot to make the roster, but he's but he's going to have a chance. So I think he would jump in ahead of Bear at the NHL level and Bouchard at the NHL level if if he makes the team. Uh, you can get more, by the way, on Yamamoto, Bear, and Bouchard on 630Ched.com. Uh, Slav in Smoky says all this. Expected success truly lies in Talbot having a bounce-back season. Well, goaltending wasn't good enough. Cam was better over the final quarter of the year. He looked more like his old self. If he's a, if you know, if he's, he was a top five goalie two years ago. If if he's a top twelve goalie this year, I, I think the Oilers get back into the postseason. That's going to shave, shave more goals against off. If they have a better penalty kill, which he factors heavily into, but but I think there were some checking and positioning issues there as well till they straighten it out later on in the season. That'll shave some goals against off. But I, I think t- goaltending and special teams, in my mind, are still 
the biggest things the Oilers have to worry about. You know, I said it earlier this summer. You can talk about whether Drake Kajula is going to score 16 goals or 12 or 9. Okay, fair enough. It'd be nice if he got to 16. But does that really matter if the penalty killing is, say, up to 10th in the league or up to 15th in the league? That, that's going to be a lot more valuable uh, than a depth guy scoring, you know, a couple extra goals over the course of 82 games. Uh, oh, Scott, here's an interesting one from Scott. He says, what other sport besides hockey can you have far and away the best player playing on practically the worst team? Uh, maybe baseball shows how important rounding out the roster is. Well, not basketball, because we've seen in the NBA the impact one or two players can have. Um, you know, football. Yeah, I mean, even if you had a great quarterback but didn't have much around him. I, yeah, ba- I guess baseball would be, because you could have the best pitcher in baseball, and he could go out there and win 80% of his starts, but the rest of your team stunk. You wouldn't have a very good team. Here's, here's the thing. And I'm, I'm not forgiving the Oilers for what they did last season because it was, it was an underwhelming season and they got, you know, they got their brains beat in a lot of nights, you know, the 5 nothing losses. We all know about those. The, the last year, like, they didn't absolutely suck last year, <laughs> like for lack of a better term. Because I've seen, like, I saw a year where the Oilers started 4-15-2. and two. They won 36 games, and I can remember saying on this show a few years ago when the Oilers were really bad, I was saying, like, my God, they're so bad. Like, it's not that hard to win 35 or 36 games. You can be pretty mediocre and win 35 or 36 games. Um, So I I think the the improvement has to happen, but it's not impossible. You, You may not think it's likely, but it's not impossible for the Oilers to win, like I have said, maybe an extra game a month or an extra game every every 10-game segment and get up to 42, 43, 44 wins and at least be really near that playoff cut line. It's not impossible. And, you know, Talbot being better is going to be a better, uh, be a big part of that. If McDavid, you know, has some bursts, if the power play is better. I, 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 I remain fairly optimistic about the Oilers getting back into the postseason. And look, everybody... Yeah, fine. I recognize the flaws in the in the roster. If we were in another market talking about another team every day, we'd recognize the flaws in a lot of those rosters too. But I'm going to be clear here. My optimism of the Oilers getting back into the playoffs does not mean I'm optimistic about them being anywhere near a Stanley Cup contender this year. Because remember I said this, I do not think they are, or and I do not think they will be this year. Playoffs a different story. Okay, you gotta you gotta be in the top half in your division or or sneak in as a wild card team. Yeah, I, I quite frankly I think that's possible. If I'm wrong seven months from now, uh, I'm be wrong and you can call in and laugh at me. Uh, Drew's view says I don't think scoring will be the problem this year. Expecting different results from the same subpar D is the problem. Fair comment. Uh, though I do, I do expect Larson and Benning specifically to have better years. I think Clefbaum's a question mark coming back off the injury. I think Russell, you know what you're going to get from Russell. Uh, who am I missing back there? Now, Nurse, well, okay, there's a whole other issue uh, because we don't know if he's going to be there for the start of training camp. The fact that it's dragging on this long is concerning. Darnell said yesterday, if I don't have a contract, I'm not going to come to training camp. You can't blame the guy. Can't blame him for coming to work with a, without a work agreement. Um, can Nurse 
Now, now, now here's the debate, offense versus defense contributions. We, we've seen Nurse skate. We have seen him transport the puck. I think we would like to see him improve in terms of distributing the puck or creating scoring opportunities when he rushes. If Darnell Nurse doesn't take that step, guys, if Darnell Nurse doesn't take that offensive step but is just one of the meanest SOBs to play against in his own end, does it matter what he does offensively? I mean, if he and Adam Larson play together or separately but are just gritty, irritating, mean, you know, I'm going to smash you in the mouth type players, um, does it matter so much what he does in the offensive end as long as they're getting the puck out? I mean, that's, that's my question for you. If it all starts with, with just preventing goals. Now, Nurse probably wants to be paid like a guy who got more than 26 points last season, but the bottom line is he got 26 points and didn't score uh, in the last 35 games of the year. He had six goals, four of them came in a five-game span, and then he didn't score in the last 35 games. Uh, I'll get to more texts here at 6.30, Still have Bryant Mitchell coming up. We'll have to bring in Bryant after the 7 o'clock news. He's getting a big shot here with the Eskimos. You're listening to 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Uh, man, here we go. CFL season heading into the stretch drive rematch on Saturday between the Eskimos and the Stampeders. We will have Bryant Mitchell on the show right after the 7 o'clock news. He has become a pretty big fan favorite for the short bursts of success he's had as an Eskimo. I know a lot of fans have wanted to see him in the lineup for a longer stretch. Uh tough reason that he's going to get that opportunity with Darrell Walker going down for six to eight weeks, but he's coming up. He's always a very positive guy to talk to. Lots of texts coming in tonight. Randy simply says, sorry, Reed, not a Darnell Nurse fan, very overrated. All right. Well, Randy, I don't think I was overrating Nurse. I think I was pretty honest about uh, what I think of him. Uh, Brian says uh, Darnell Nurse's offensive play doesn't matter as much if he plays mean and shuts down the opposition, but he shouldn't expect more money than Adam Larson. Well, I hope that's not what he's going for, because that's, I mean, if he's trying to get over four, I think that's uh, obviously a pretty excessive ask. But, uh, well, maybe he is. Maybe that's what's taking so long. Dave says, we all laughed at ourselves, Reed, about Vegas. Anything's possible with the Oilers. JP must be into the red wine. JP, let me know if it's uh, Merlot, maybe some Cab Sav. Maybe you got a nice Malbec from South America. JP says 62 goals for McDavid. Book it. I love the extreme predictions. Corey says two years ago when the Oilers made the playoffs, I was telling my buddies that Talbot was pretty close to being our MVP. Last year kind of proved that thought. Well, that was the interesting thing two years ago, wasn't it? Uh, McDavid was the league MVP. A lot of Oilers fans might have voted Talbot as as the Oilers co-MVP with McDavid. He was uh, sensational. Clear drop-off last season. You look at his career numbers, though. He's he's closer to the goaltender he was two years ago. I do believe that. Luke says Nurse has improved every season. If the Oilers don't sign him after all their time and investment, they are crazy. He's young with nothing but upside. Well, they will sign him. <laughs> they, they will sign him. We're just going to see which side is uh, is happier with whatever the agreement they wind up reaching. Okay, I got a break. Uh, Mitchell's coming up and a couple more texts. 
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.